St. Thomas's Summa, Part 3, Question 25, Article 2. Whether Christ's humanity should be adored with the adoration of Latria. Objection 1. It would seem that Christ's soul should not be adored with the adoration of Latria. For on the words of Psalm 98, verse 5, Adore his footstool, for it is holy, a gloss says, the flesh assumed by the word of God is rightly adored by us, for no one partakes spiritually of his flesh unless he first adore it, but not indeed with the adoration called latria, which is due to the creator alone. Now the flesh is part of the humanity. Therefore, Christ's humanity is not to be adored with the adoration of latria. Objection to further, the worship of latria is not to be given to any creature, since for this reason were the Gentiles reproved that they worshipped and served the creature, as it is written. But Christ's humanity is a creature, therefore it should not be adored with the adoration of Latria. Objection 3. Further, the adoration of Latria is due to God in recognition of his supreme dominion, according to Deuteronomy 6.13, thou shalt Adore the Lord thy God, and shalt serve him only. But Christ as man is less than the Father. Therefore, his humanity is not to be adored with the adoration of Latria. On the contrary, Damascene says, On account of the incarnation of the divine word, we adore the flesh of Christ not for its own sake, but because the word of God is united thereto in person. And on Psalm 98, verse 5, adore his footstool, a gloss says, He who adores the body of Christ regards not the earth, but rather him whose footstool it is, in whose honor he adores the footstool. But the incarnate word is adored with the adoration of Latria, therefore also his body or his humanity. I answer that. As stated above in Article 1, Adoration is due to the subsisting hypostasis. Yet the reason for honoring may be something non-subsistent, on account of which the person in whom it is is honored. And so the adoration of Christ's humanity may be understood in two ways. First, so that the humanity is the thing adored, and thus to adore the flesh of Christ is nothing else than to adore the incarnate word of God, just as to adore a king's robe is nothing, nothing else than to adore a robed king. And in this sense, the adoration of Christ's humanity is the adoration of Latria. Secondly, the adoration of Christ's humanity may be taken as given by reason of its being perfected with every gift of grace. And so in this sense, the adoration of Christ's humanity is the adoration not of Latria, but of Dulia. So that one and the same person of Christ is adored with Latria on account of his divinity, and with Dulia on account of his perfect humanity. Nor is this unfitting, for the honor of Latria is due to God the Father himself on account of his Godhead, and the honor of Dulia on account of the dominion by which he rules over creatures. Wherefore, on Psalm 7, verse 1, O Lord my God, in thee have I hoped, a gloss says, Lord of all by power, to whom Dulia is due, God of all by creation, to whom Latria is due. Reply to Objection 1. 
That gloss is not to be understood as though the flesh of Christ were adored separately from its Godhead, for this could happen only if there were one hypostasis of God and another of man. But since, as Damascene says, if by a subtle distinction you divide what is seen from what is understood, it cannot be adored because it is a creature, that is, with adoration of Latria. And then, thus understood as distinct from the word of God, it should be adored with the adoration of Dulia, not any kind of Dulia, such as is given to other creatures, but with a certain higher adoration, which is called hyperdulia. Hence appears the answers to the second and third objections, because the adoration of Latria is not given to Christ's humanity in respect of itself, but in respect of the Godhead to which it is united, by reason of which Christ is not less than the Father.